here's the deal, guys. We'll we'll pregame oh, a little bit surprise. here. We'll, we'll pre we'll pregame a little bit here. Let me know when you're ready to start, because when we're ready to start, I'm going to drink this weed cola, and then we are going to stop recording once it kicks in, and that is going to keep me from going on for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great idea. Yeah. What? I think it's a good idea too. <laughs> okay. Weed cola. Yeah. That's real? Yeah, it's called Deep Space. It's from Chiaro, which is the uh, best dispensary in Victoria. And it has uh, 10 milligrams of THC in it. Holy. It's a, it's a little like, if you've ever seen those like little half cans of Coke, that's what it's yep. like. Interesting. Cool. No, I haven't. Uh, wow. All right. Uh, I've switched to the, like, the oil-based extracts. And uh, yes. when I don't have to work or do anything, I love to drop that on my coffee because you don't taste it and it's yes man wouldn't it be funny you know there's those like uh twitter accounts that are like world war ii like in real time like twitter updates like as if is world war ii yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like doing an account that is twitter updates as if you're <laughs> you're following the new york islanders during mike mulberry's reign <laughs> just tragic <laughs> trades that happen oh no that that draft pick turned out to be jason spezza man yeah he he really fucked up in, uh, in New York. I mean, the New York Islanders had a really interesting spread because they had that one guy who like lied about being a billionaire to buy the team. Yeah, Adrian Pooley. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty I'm good. so sad he blocked us so early just because like I have no idea what's ever going on. So whenever he starts drama, I do not know it exists until it's like a complete tire fire. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's I I don't find out about it until like days later. But same. people uh, people like DM me stuff and or like yeah. or they like I one thing that people really got to get better at is like, dude, it's me. Assume these people have me blocked. Like, <laughs> yeah, come on, grow up. Like, like people just people just sending me links to Tedge or Adrian Bully tweets and being like, yo, you seen this? And it's like, no, of course <laughs> no, I have. I can't. <laughs> What are you stupid? Come on! Yeah. Sorry, I'm just opening my these these uh, these weed colas have um, like fucking child safety locks on them. So mm-hmm. I'm just opening it now and pouring it into a glass with ice so that when you guys say we're ready to start, I can I can go. The other thing too is you have to shake them right because they don't. Uh no. Because THC, no, you don't. No. Or, I mean, huh. I don't know. It's carbonated. That seems like a bad idea. Never mind. Yeah, it's carbonated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting weakle everywhere. I was like, that seems like a very stupid idea, Elliot. Because <laughs> um, I know that um the iced tea ones, they were notorious for, because there's like about two doses in one of those. And they were sure. notorious for like people getting extremely high off the second half because it would be mixed. But I guess if it's carbonated. Oh, yeah. No, these are like, um, it, the problem with these ones is that they're just really, uh, they're really inconsistent. Sometimes I'll get one and it'll just put, absolutely put me on my ass. And then I'll drink another one and I'll be like, I didn't get very high. Yeah. I, I feel kind of normal. So I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't think they've perfected, uh, like dosing edibles yet. <laughs> no. I want to kind of anticipate, or not anticipate come up with the kinds of questions that a dumb guy would have or a, okay. or a bandwagon okay, you do that, I'm gonna grab water. sure sure i mean the problem the problem with this is that like 
I don't know that there that you can do any better than just asking the natural questions. Okay, but is up. it okay if we? Well, can we just quickly yeah, sure. brainstorm what the natural question somebody would have? Um, yeah, so like okay, so suddenly they're good. Yeah, I, that's honestly what that is worth talking about. Like, where did this come from? Because yeah, I'm, why I have, is the I have takes. Team a contender, like a contender. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why is there this Vegas team? Who's gonna? Who should we worry about on Vegas? Yeah. Okay. Who? Yeah. Who's uh, the Riley O'Reilly of Vegas, basically? <laughs> yeah. Who's the Riley O'Reilly? Riley O'Reilly. <laughs> I thought that was a bit. I, I thought you that said it. I thought that was a bit. Uh, um... <laughs> What's up? Oh, sorry. I just opened up the uh, province article about JMO and the oh, photo what? that they oh, used. Fuck? What? Yeah, there's, there's an article about JMO. Where? 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 In the province. Did it I'll, get shared in the chat? I'll post it in the chat. Did you post the thing yet? I posted the oh, link, but if you scroll down to the bottom in like the related posts, it has the same post for whatever reason, but with like a great selfie of JD and JMO. So, oh, car. you posted it. Sorry, you posted it in the Skype. Oh, sorry. Chat. Sorry, yeah. I thought I, I never look. I <laughs> yeah, never look at the Skype so chat. <laughs> <laughs> this is news, apparently. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I'm not. I don't see it. Am I missing something? It's at the bottom of the page. Like, go to where like okay. the related posts uh-huh. would be. Oh my god, that's so okay, funny. Okay, wait. Sorry. This is in the chat. It just it makes it look like did, sorry. JD is the Elliot, one. Where did you <laughs> or send these the, the link? I sent the link in the <laughs> Skype chat. Okay. All I see in the Skype chat right now is, "Can you hear me?" From me. Oh, weird. Yeah, I'm not. Can you just send it to the? I'll I'll send the, the actual screenshot of what I'm laughing about to uh, the Roxy okay. or to like our. <laughs> the photo is so funny. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's good. We'll it's the album art. Guy. It's for sure going to be the podcast art. Okay, like it has to be because that's so good. Well, I I felt like I had to use the um the Alan Walsh photo as the. Oh, uh, I don't know. We'll what if we did an Alan Walsh Alan Walsh about... post? About oh that would be funny v- Vias can you make one <laughs> can you make one that's like that's like Justin anti gay demonstrators okay, perfect okay good collaborative effort awesome okay I'm feeling it now let's uh let's start okay let's yeah let's get this started all right just let me drink my just let me drink this and I'll and then we'll go okay that's about a third of it um I'll uh. I'll just sip on the rest as we as we go. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of Roxy Fever. I'm your host, Jax McDonald. With me, as always. What's up? It's Vias Naran. And Elliot Hoyt. Obviously, there's no point in beating around the bush. We should just jump right into it. We are joining. We are recording this at 2.51 p.m. on what what day and date is it, folks? I have ADHD. I don't remember. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I probably do, too. So, Elliot. Yeah, fair. <laughs> what day do you- uh, on August, August 23rd, 2020. Uh, we are recording just re- basically just a few hours before the Canucks open their second round series against the Vegas Golden Knights. That's right. Uh, obviously, the <laughs> we made it to the third round, folks. <laughs> yeah. on. Conference the, uh, finals. The biggest piece of news is obviously the We're Canucks' on. pretty impressive performance against the defending cup champs in round one. So I'm just going to start by the immortal words. asking... Okay, sorry, but in the immortal words of the best St. Louis fan, Tony X, 
The Blues said fuck it and left. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll get to that in a moment because yeah. I am kind of inclined to agree, but I'm going to open the episode the same way I did last time around, which is just to say, how are you guys feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. The Canucks Dude. have won a series. They've won a real playoff series and a fake playoff series. Uh, this is now <laughs> the most successful season since 2011. Get you a team, we can do both. And you know what? I don't really expect them to win the next series, but also I didn't expect them to be this good, so it's all it's all free. It's all gravy. Like <clears throat> This is the most healthy I've felt about a playoff series ever. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I think I don't know where I got my confidence about the St. Louis series from. Uh, I think it like I didn't get it from the whole like oh we've had their number all year and uh, and stuff like that. I think it's just because the Canucks have always beat the Blues in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, I think it was a like, combination of that, the matchup, and just the Blues bubble being the Cup champs combination. Like mm-hmm. uh, that. Yeah, yeah I fair. really also don't. Their, their fake round performance is like what we shit, so. what we said in the last episode about how this is kind of a, a battle of who can stay in Edmonton the longest <laughs> yeah. without going yeah. insane. It's kind of like, like I don't want to take away from, from the Canucks because at the end of the day, like the wins all count and it doesn't yeah. matter. But I do think to some degree, like you do have to pin this partially on the fact that the blues for, I would say about 60, 70% of the series looked like they didn't want to be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they looked like they wanted to be there, they were, miles better than the Canucks were at any point in the series. Yes, I would agree with that. So it's, I mean, it's maybe not miles where... than they ever looked, but like they were clearly the better team when they wanted to be there. Yeah, and I, I don't mean to like this is this is one of those things where I, I don't want to put an asterisk next to it and I don't want to take away from what they did because it is no matter what happens like it's been a successful season now yeah you know and i and i actually think it w- after they won those first two games it would have been a successful season no matter what happened yeah yep. um but i also think that like there's a f- fuck like we're, we're, we're gonna get to it i think they could even win this next round against the knights I do think their number's going to come up eventually. Like, I don't, I don't think they, they can win the cup, but I do think they could, they could go deep. Uh, but that doesn't, there's a, there's a danger, even if that's the case in kind of getting high on your own supply. And so I do think it's still important (laughs) to point out why it's important to point out why they're winning. And that is something that I think is really frustrating to me as a, as an analyst, well, as a sort of, like, I do analyst work. I write articles and shit. That's not what yeah. I do on this show. But, you know, writing for Daily Hive and stuff and tweeting about the Canucks or whatever is that people will come after you when you say things like, oh, you know, the Canucks are really winning the goaltending battle or like, wow, Travis Green is uh, is really doing a great job behind the bench or whatever. Or like, wow, the St. Louis Blues look really sleepy tonight or whatever. Is that people think you're like trying to give an excuse uh, for why the team's winning. Yeah, yeah, when it's when it's like I would be doing the same thing if they were losing, I would be coming up for reasons why they're losing too. Yeah, right. Like, like and and I mean, in some cases, those reasons might be as boring as the Blues are better than the Canucks or et cetera, et cetera. But it's it's normal to say like these are the factors that are going into the Canucks winning because like I'm sorry, but if you went into this postseason thinking the Canucks are gonna win the cup, you're a fucking moron. You mm-hmm. you have a baby brain. Like that's not. You're not a serious – it's fine to, if you're a hockey fan, to, like, go into the playoffs being like, my team's going to win the cup because that's what makes it fun. 
Yeah. But like I don't take you seriously as like a a thinker. Like your analysis yeah. of the game, if you think the Canucks are somehow the favorite to win the cup, you are nuts. Like you're not paying attention. Mm. So so it's natural to kind of want to look at the situation and go like, here's what the big factors are. Here's the stuff that makes sense. Here's maybe the stuff that doesn't make sense and probably won't last. But at the, at the end of the day, like it is impressive that they blew uh, blew off the Stanley Cup champs in six games, even if even if they didn't really want to be there, even if they didn't yeah. really play that well. And on the road, huh? Well, see, <laughs> it's funny you say that. Obviously, the home ice advantage stuff like doesn't make a difference yeah, in a situation like it, this. But you do get last change. Yeah, and something yeah. that I thought was this is the most. By the way, I've heard uh, or I've seen like line matchups get discussed uh, and and coaching strategy ever get discussed mm-hmm. in a series in the Canucks. Really? Because yeah. I remember a ton of this from 2015. <laughs> yeah, which was like coming at it from like a why do we suck at this? Yeah. Um, but but obviously it was a lot more fun. Honestly, straight up, if Travis Green was the coach in 2015, the Canucks would have won. Yeah, that's my yeah. opinion. I think if jo- Travis Green or John Tortorella were the Canucks coach in 2015, they <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. hell yes, hell yes. <laughs> John Tortorella would have just murdered the entire. Uh, Calgary coaching, coaching staff. staff so <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, man he would have wanted to walk i'm so uh, sad he's like, out like that that series 2015 series let's not talk about 2015 too no. much but like it's so sad that that was a year after tortorella got fired i know yeah like because i don't remember that being much of a rivalry even though it was the flames like like yeah, yeah there's the furlan stuff and there's pretty physical there was like but... three games that ended with line brawls in that game oh. that's yeah. <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> I think it's because I've tried to remove that series from my memory. Anyways, that's, pro- um, that's probably more why. The uh, but I I do want to say when you asked about like how how we're feeling, man. After that last game, um, I I finally got my car back or a car back, and I just I was driving back from uh, hanging out with my family at my brother's place in Vancouver, and I just decided let's go to Scott Road. Like, oh, yeah. why not? I don't need to be anywhere right now. Like, I was, like, really hyped from listening uh, to the radio afterwards. Like, I could have stayed at my folks' place for a bit more, but but I really just wanted to listen to the radio after the game and uh, didn't want to look at that fucking, that ice uh, ice staff uh, uh, image on NHL.com or whatever, <laughs> or the preview. Um, so, yeah, I went down to Scott Road, and, man, there was... That was the first time I've been down to Scott Road for a celebration. Uh, streets were just packed. Uh, it would have taken me two hours to get from, like, past the intersection. So I decided to just go park and then walk up to the intersection. And it was great. Like, they didn't technically shut down the intersection. But all these fans on, like, two, like, kitty corner from each other would wait. Like, both both directions would get a green light. And then after that, the cops would let people just cross kitty corner and so many people, so many huge flags. It just is really surreal to watch. Like we have, I've not seen that uh, display happen for like since 2011. And that's so, it's so nice to see that again. It's so nice to see people come out in hockey jerseys and <clears throat> wearing them randomly on the street. Like I, I love that that's happening. And I also am feeling like, yeah, obviously with COVID, you're not going to see, uh, I mean, and in Vancouver, you're not going to see outdoor fan uh, stuff happening in Vancouver. We're not going to be displaying games, but that's really the only place in Metro Vancouver where you're seeing fans come together. Uh, and I feel like the team should recognize that more. 
Like, Stetcher mentioned that in the press conference. Like, oh, uh, I know Scott Rhodes can be lit or something. Yeah. Which I, by the way, I, th- I find funny because I think some Canucks have, like, stopped themselves from saying... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, ...that Cooper's sure. going to be on fire. Well, it, <laughs> so it, like, oh, shit. there is an element of it, though, where it's like... I don't know. I, I try not to think about this too much, but it's like, if they did win the Cup, would you want it to be in a year where there, like, can't be a parade? I mean, because, I it mean, would be the best... I, I would not care. It would be yeah, the best enough. thing for the it. city, technically. <laughs> yes. Because, yeah, you wouldn't have the riot. Yeah, but it's one of those things where it's like, like, obviously, it's like you guys said, like, it's like, I'll take it because you never know when the, you you just never know when the opportunity oh, is yeah, going to come around. As long again. as you get a photo of a Canucks jersey holding up a cup, that's all you, that's all you need. Yeah, that, that reminds me of the old Stefan Heck, uh, Absolutely. like, bit or whatever, where he, he just said, like, I would gladly trade every minor moment of happiness I've ever had as a Canucks fan. I would I would have them be last in the league for 30 straight years if I could get one photo of a Canuck holding the Stanley Cup from before I was born. Yes. And I I, yeah. do I get cannot that. agree with this, but that's okay. I totally agree with it. I, I hate never it. I I had never felt so seen when when I heard him say that the first I time. I regard anything that happened before I was born as not actually mattering, so <laughs> I Yeah, totally. I, I, I kind of I've sort of <laughs> I've sort of yeah come around to to like I don't know if they're gonna do it I kind of want them to I kind of want to be able to enjoy it more but um you know obviously obviously you just take what you can get but I can that that means I could celebrate something in my fifties and sixties technically so. yeah no for sure um <laughs> I it is funny to me kind of seeing the attitude around this Canucks team. Because I didn't really want to start here, but I, but we're going to because it's it's relevant. Because I can't help but think, but compare this moment in my mind to the last time the Canucks were doing this well. And obviously, a lot of the 2011... 20, 2012, when they won the President's Trophy last. Yes, well, sure. yeah. I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> okay. not... Yeah, um... <laughs> Obviously, a lot of the 2011 stuff has been memory hold, and also that was kind of pre like. Obviously, there was lots of online content back then, but it was sort of pre Twitter, like pre Canucks Twitter, being a real thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was a different. And so thing. it can be it can be kind of hard to to really compare the the attitudes around both teams because I do think that. The fans here loved the team in 2011, like a yep. lot of them, and there was a lot of support for them. But it is kind of funny to look at how excited people are getting about this team, how much out-of-market people are getting excited about this team. And when you consider that, you know, like, none of these people gave a shit when the team was, like, a legit cup contender for, you know, like, a little four- or five-year window there. Um, yeah, when when they had a team that could legit beat you on any night and and dominate you, it is just kind of interesting and it's hard for me not to have sour grapes a little bit, just in the sense that I think the big one is the people talking about it being Canada's team. Like I see people say that, and I just want to I want to wring their fucking neck. I'm like, <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, no, no. You didn't. You didn't get on board last time. There's no room for you. You couldn't get we're, on board with the team facing 
like the Bruins who suck and who tried to murder a guy earlier that season. Yeah. Like <laughs> the most detestable team in league in like not There's league nobody history, likable but on like, that team. Pre in post lockout history, easily the most detestable team. And they still are. And if you didn't side with the Canucks that year, then you you are a leper. You are a pariah. You are not allowed on the bandwagon. Like I uh You wear the scarlet letter. Do you remember when you were a kid, like so if you were um if you were like me and you were a kid and you got bullied a lot and so uh, you really, really aggressively tried to join in when other people were getting bullied so that the buck wouldn't get passed to you. Um, <laughs> you will remember things like, you know, like the weird kid gets on the bus and everybody just like puts their backpack next to them or is like, <laughs> oh, I'm saving this seat for someone or like, oh, this seat's taken. That's what we should all be doing right now to anybody who <laughs> cheered for the Bruins in 2011. Like, oh, sorry, no. Nope. Yeah. I'm saving this seat for uh, I'm saving this seat for all the you know Dallas Stars fans after they <laughs> after they lose in round uh, round two or whatever. Yeah. We should look up uh, like yeah, search at whatever account we're talking to or we find praising mm-hmm. praising the Canucks. Just get and like yeah, search at Boston. Yeah, just get or the like or, it's or, you or ready. Just get the it, this use ready to fire. Yeah, like. yeah, exactly. <laughs> the thing that kills me the most is just seeing Ron McLean. Sing their praises. Yeah, I'm just like, like, oh fuck you, fuck off. It makes me like the team less. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't like, want oh, fuck that. You had your chance to like this team, and now we don't want you to like this team. Yeah, exactly. You're not even allowed to like Kevin Bieksa. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you should be as mad at Kevin Bieksa being on the panel as you were as we were about Don Cherry's continued existence. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, did you guys see the clip of Kevin Bieksa punching? Ron McLean like through oh, the Chiron or whatever. <laughs> I did, but I didn't consider like how uh, how good that would have made me feel to like think about him actually doing it. <laughs> okay, well, I think the the natural uh, progression here is to talk a little bit about what the Canucks did well, why they are where yeah. where they are, <clears throat> and kind of what we can expect in this next series. Um, right. So, so I can ask. To start that off, so yeah. so, fellas, there's the Canucks are suddenly in round two. They haven't won a series uh, since 2011 until this week. Why did they beat the Blues? Well, you might say that we're bringing back an old segment. Are the Canucks good? Ah. <laughs> right? They are. Please don't. Please don't say no. Please, God, don't. I'm say not going to no. say. I'm not going to say anything because it's a moot point now. They're in the playoffs. And yeah. the funny thing, the, I think the funny thing that people mix up in their heads is they think that the playoffs are like more representative of what a team is, and they're not. Like Jackson, can I stop you for a second? What? Are the Canucks good? <laughs> can you say that they are good, please? Once? No, <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Sorry, I'm, I'm I'm legitimately I'm legitimately not because. <coughs> I'm still just not convinced that this isn't the 2015 Flames. There may right. come a point. Well, here's here's my question. Like here's here's an, here's another question for you. That Ottawa Senators team that made it to the conference final, that uh, is now where they are now. Was that team good? Yeah, it comes down to our definition of what good is. Exactly. And I think all our definition of good is could this team like does this team have a cup window? Mm-hmm. Not a not a playoff window. Mm-hmm. 
Do they have a cup window? Yeah, exactly. And I yeah, and I still kind of think the answer is no. Yeah. But but I also kind of think that that's like the wrong question to be asking right now. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. Are the Canucks fun and worth rooting for right now? Uh, yeah. Like abs and and like, do they have uh, more like a non-zero chance of making it to the finals? Yes. And yeah, sure. I think that's yeah. what people have in their minds. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I again, like it's it's one of those things where it's sort of. Um, I think there's a an argument to be had about how much of this is lightning in a bottle, how much of it's luck, how much of it is the circumstances. At the same time, they not only are their good players playing well, but they've randomly gotten really strong performances from other guys, mm-hmm. yeah. guys that we don't normally think of as being as being, uh, you know, big big time players on this team. But what I was going to say before um, before you interjected, trying to get me to say that the Canucks are good. Um, is that people kind of have this idea that the the playoffs are like more representative of who the good teams are and who and who isn't, but it's not. Honestly, even a single season isn't a good isn't necessarily that good of a of a representation of like how good a team is. Uh, mm-hmm. Being able to look at a team and go like, oh, this team is very good, is to be able to look at like two or three seasons. Yeah, and go yeah. okay. Yeah, this team has like maintained a level of play over a long period of time. That like you know they have a good core, and obviously guys like switch in and out. But um, and who knows? Like maybe this specific team, when everyone is healthy and everyone is uh, is playing at the height of their ability, is really good. But mm-hmm. there's a question to be had about like how real is that? How long is that actually going to last? You know. And there's also yeah. another question of like can can a poorly managed team be good? Yeah. Yeah, that's a and, great question. And and I think the answer is actually yes. And that might be part of the like debate that I have all the time. Is is it's just like, is this just a good team that became good by accident? Um mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I'm sorry they're poorly managed. I, you're not they're changing my mind on that and one. I think like it's a bit more clear if we say that like even if this team is good, the team's poorly managed. And the reason why they're poorly managed is that they're not as good as they could be because of what management mm-hmm. has done. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I'm happy to see people discussing that more now. It seems like it's become a real talking point, and I like I like seeing that. I like seeing people be like, yeah, they accidentally tanked for two years and got really good players. Imagine if they had traded for any draft picks during yeah. that period, mm-hmm. or imagine if they had, like, just embraced being bad because they were bad anyway instead of signing all these like shitty players too. And that's the thing that, that I guess kills me is that I do. Um, I mentioned it today to someone. Uh, Botch had had a lot of these uh, people like absolutely nailed down what they're like. Um, a lot of people just want to hear you say like they're in the playoffs because of Jake Vertanen and, and, and Jay Beagle and Tyler Mott or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're, mm-hmm. they're not, you know, the, the, all of that depth, like even the depth that's playing well, like uh, for example, like Louis Erickson's played pretty well, and Brandon Sutter's played yeah. pretty well, but other guys could be playing that well and making way less money and putting them in a better position for next year, right? And right. I don't, I do think that like there's a there's a sort of an important dividing line here because like it it is genuinely frustrating to me that when when teams do well, you know, it's it's the the narrative always becomes like, wow. Uh, turns out Jim Benning was actually a genius for trading for this player or signing this player mm-hmm. and never mm-hmm. like 
that player is gen- is usually not very good, and they've really stepped it up in the play like in the playoffs. Good for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's a weird. It is a weird like um, you know like pro or anti worker like <laughs> little okay. uh, little like bug in my brain that I get about these things. <laughs> well, so what did? What did happen in the series then? Uh, who stepped up? Uh, what parts of the team that we thought were like, or that we knew were bad in the regular season? Like, what surprised us? Like, so bottom six is the main one. That okay, yeah, that's a good place to start. Yeah. Um, I think Tyler Mott is one of those guys who is just having a run. He's having a hot stretch of games. We've seen it so many times in the past. He we've could seen be... 50,000 people refer to it as having a Mott Girl summer or something, and <laughs> we've all seen the same joke, guys. <laughs> uh, it's it sensational. It definitely um, it definitely has shades of Jeff Cowan, which has to be a heritage moment at some point, or heritage yep. minute, rather. Uh, it has it's shades... a damn shame that there are no fans in the stands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have no idea what could, what what, could be yeah, happening. Yeah, what could have right been, now. yeah. Uh, I think what, what he, somebody would have thrown on the ice. <laughs> I think he, um, I think he's a really good penalty killer, and I think that you know if they can keep getting him for around the price that he's at, he's worth hanging on to for that reason. But it does kind of worry me a little bit when I see people saying things like, "We have to sign this guy to a multi-year deal," and it's like, "No, <laughs> we've you've made this mistake so many times before. Don't do it again." Like, um. Is he on a one-year deal, by the way? I or think is so. Is this his last year? His okay, contract so. is... Whatever contract he's on, it doesn't matter. He's either... I think he's on a one-year, but even if he's on a two-year deal, it's so cheap. Who, yeah. It doesn't he's matter. making, right, like, right. next to nothing right now, which is great. This is what you want out of your players who are making next to nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. The problem is that there's not more of them that are making next to nothing. Um, mm-hmm. But I think... So I think uh, Tyler Mott is just... He just went on a run. He's just having a good stretch of games. There's not really any any more to it than that. I don't think it's the culmination of anything really. It's just kind of one of those things that happens sometimes. Uh no no yeah. knock on him because like he is a genuinely good penalty killer and the things that make you a good penalty killer at some point are going to translate to whether it's goals or just strong play at even strength. Um I think Brandon Sutter Sutter is playing well. Gen- I think I think Brandon Sutter well, is look like I like I said and ben- Benning knows this like Brandon Sutter plays his best hockey between July and October. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he starts the season off hot, and I know I made that joke <laughs> through yeah. the Rock to Beaver account. Yeah, uh, uh, everybody that, like, knows the Sutters play their best hockey in August. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> Benning, Benning knows this, but but he also I did remember like after I tweeted that like oh he also has like really good. October's like he, he has exciting he scores his like most exciting goals in yes. October He's so through October I think there's a thing with Brandon Sutter I, I think it's a couple different things one uh Brandon Sutter is for all his faults a decent NHL player he's just the issue with Brandon Sutter has always been that he's the classic you will always pay more for him than what he gives you yeah kind mm-hmm. of player right but um he has a shot He's good on faceoffs. He's reasonably good, or he's actually he's quite good in his own zone. I should say he's his two way impact isn't very good because he spends too much time in his own zone. But he is good in his own zone. Um, and I think that that, that he is a classic example of 
a guy who just because he's getting you know nine times out of ten you worry about the contract but the contract doesn't matter right now now he's just yeah. a piece and yeah. Travis Green has actually done a really good job changing up Sutter's role and sheltering him and putting yeah. him on uh, putting him in high leverage situations because he's usually the kind of guy who plays only against really high-end competition and that has always kind of deflated his his potential. But if you play him mm. against other teams' third and fourth lines, like he can he can do okay, especially in a situation where he's playing with guys like I think the other night in Game Six he was playing with Gaudet and Roussel. Yep. yep. Like Sutter as a winger with two guys who drive play, I is like that's just Sutter, all. That's, oh, Sutter. That's all. Like Travis Sutter, Green. I love like. I love watching Sutter. Like I hate to admit that I love watching him like on a rush. Sure. Uh, on on the sideboards, like he, I trust him as a player. Like, yeah, most, sure. Almost all the time. Sure. He's he healthy too. Right? He doesn't piss me off in that way. He pisses me off when he scores a goal because I don't like him. But <laughs> and 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 also it's an, also an, it's an asset thing. I, you know, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we want to be right, <clears throat> but like the argument that I was having with Jordy uh, about the contracts and stuff was like basically what do. Sutter and Erickson, for example, give you over guys that would have signed shorter deals. And that's sort of the big question. But again, yeah. none of this matters right now. Matter. Brandon yes, Sutter exactly. is just doing what he needs to do. He's just doing, he's just doing the job that, that Green gave him. And I do think Gr- Travis Green has been a huge factor in why, why the team is... Like, if, if yeah. you really want to just simplify this down to a one-sentence reason why the Canucks beat the Blues... The Blues uh, got outcoached, and mm-hmm. the Canucks handily won the goaltending battle. Mm-hmm. Jacob yeah. Markstrom okay. was very good. Jordan Binnington was very bad. It is very important to note these two things. Yeah, and, I uh, cannot. Yeah. And on, on the coaching, on the coaching battle, I cannot believe that Barube made that call of playing him. In that in, game, oh, I know it doesn't like, make any sense. People, people immediately after what was it, game five, were like, "Oh, they're, <clears throat> what if he's going to play Bennington? What if Ruby makes that call?" Uh, I, I thought, thought there was no way he would do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I didn't think that a National Hockey League coach would look at their goalies, one whose record is two and one, the other whose record is zero oh and three, just because one of them has a cup ring behind them. Uh, you're making a call to win that game. You're not making a call yeah. to win the locker room for the rest of the series, like or for the rest of the playoffs, like. Uh, yeah, I thought like when people would bring it up, I thought like it was so unserious of a armchair GM thing or armchair coach yeah. thing for people to be tweeting about. And then he plays the game. I cannot believe it. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, that's that's exactly it. Like and, and that that ties into the third thing I was going to say about the bottom six, which is that sometimes you just get lucky because while I think, you know, we mentioned Brandon Sutter and Tyler Mott, Louis Erickson is another guy who's actually not playing in the bottom six really and we'll we can get to that in a minute because i do want to talk about it but for now yeah um louis erickson you know and and brandon sutter specifically are guys that get paid too much money but aren't bad players and now they're being put in a position to succeed and none of this yeah none of this yeah. extra stuff matters so it's just a question of like can you can you win with them and obviously you can right like I, uh, I don't think the knock against them has ever been that like, oh, if this guy's on your team, you're gonna lose. It's just like, think of all the six million dollar players the Canucks could have instead of Louis Erickson right now, right? Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, then there are other guys and other situations where, like, Jay Beagle got, got lucky in this series. Like, he was not good. Um, no. He did not do his job most nights, and he was lucky enough to just not get burned for it. And this ties into the this ties into the coaching battle a little bit too, because another really lucky thing that happened to them was that they got to face Jordan Binner, Binnington in Game Six, um, uh-huh. and that's the kind of thing that you can't you can't count on all the time. But at the same time, I give the Canucks players and especially the coaching staff credit because part of being a team that wins is being able to pinpoint these weaknesses and exploit them part and and especially being a good coach like the how you know a coach is good is can he beat teams that have a better roster than yeah he has right and and travis green has has done that he did that in in uh in the first round here yeah it's been cool seeing a, a lot of uh a lot of people just bring him up as like the true star of the series and uh i think a lot of a lot of connects fans like really didn't understand who travis green was up until like this week, really. Yep, totally. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When I was reading the Thomas Rance article in the athletic, in the athletic, um, I re- there's a he did a great piece about Travis Green's coaching decision in Game Five. Was it about, about the how, like? Was it about the romantic long walks they go on together? <laughs> or like, sorry, I, there's a there's a. Um, Certain people who know Drance uh, make fun yeah. of him incessantly for how much he loves Travis Green, which I think is, it's a, it's a bit like I, I think he has good reasons to like Travis Green, and I, I like Travis too as a mm. as a coach, anyways. Mm. Yeah, no, I've been watching a lot of the games with JD and Justin, and they've been uh, <laughs> yeah, they make jokes about that too. I'm sure, yeah, <laughs> lots of jokes. Uh, but yeah, his call to put out a different lineup than the one he warmed up it uh, it just made me think like, wow. There's not a lot of creativity in hockey. Yes, absolutely. Uh, between, <laughs> in coaching, like, like props to him for exploiting, uh, like manipulating something in hockey that no, that very few other coaches do, uh, and he never, yeah. Uh, but it seemed like a very basic thing to do when you think about other sports strategies in yeah. uh, in, in other sports. Uh, like I'm like I want to say I keep thinking about like. Uh, Patriots and how they were videotaping other teams practicing or something. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like, like, okay, that's one bound of it. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised that we're, that we're not closer and closer to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, yeah. I, I, I agree with you completely. Yeah. Uh, why? So a lot of really cool lineups uh, came out, or like a lot of interesting line combinations yes. came out this series. Yeah. Are you, any of you guys frustrated that we didn't see stuff like that before? Like Pedersen, Vertanen, and and Miller like no I, not particularly like I I honestly think like actually Jake for Tannen I'm I'm sorry but since you brought him up I have to bring this up the <laughs> game five the game five performance from Jake for Tannen <laughs> was hands down the funniest playoff performance I've ever seen <laughs> from any player the goal he scored that it doesn't get play because obviously like in the moment everyone is just excited that he scored and you know and then they win the game and then none of this matters but like i do just want to point out that like his two points in that game are were the two of the flukiest goals i have ever seen the canucks score like especially the one he scored he gets it it gets passed to him on the goal line in the corner and he holds on to the puck 
for like five seconds just going like, fuck, what do I do? Can't pass to that guy. He's covered. Can't pass to that guy. I don't know. I'll just throw it at the. Net. I loved it, and it goes I in. Loved it I it thought, was so beautiful. I, it was so fucking. I saw funny. it as the most purposeful goal ever scored. <laughs> he walked in. <laughs> he walked. It in, was deliberate. The goalie. He was deliberating on what to do, and he picked he, the right thing drew, to do. It's so like funny. He drew, like, like he drew it up, um, Jackson. <laughs> but as far as as far as Travis's line combinations, um. My answer is no, because I think that Travis generally goes with the right line combinations. Um, he, uh, when he's facing a team for one night, I don't think yeah. that Jake Vertanen is a good line mate for JT Miller and Elias Pettersson. But I do think that in a situation like this, where one one of the biggest worries you face in a playoff series is getting figured out. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the, the other team, they feel you out for the first couple games and then they, they pinpoint what your identity is and then they exploit it, right? Especially well-coached yeah. teams, that's that's what they do. But that's way harder to do when you're just facing different lines all the time. It's really, really hard to hold all these different ideas in your head about like how mm-hmm. to attack certain players when you're used to them playing with certain guys or that's what you've game planned for or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I don't... I think for the most part like no i don't i don't want to see like erickson and pearson <laughs> with Pedersen or like horvat with uh besser instead of uh instead of pd or whatever like i i like the combinations that he usually goes with but in the playoffs it's a little bit different sometimes there you, he goes you know. arguing against the winning strategy what are you talking about <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> don't be mad <laughs> No, I am very impressed with the way Travis pulled it together. And especially after game four, when the whole city was super, like, terrified of Riley O'Reilly, as Elliot likes to call him. <laughs> yeah, Riley O'Reilly. <laughs> uh, like, I, I listened to the radio a lot more during the playoffs, and it just seemed like he was the big boogeyman. And it was really uh, interesting to hear the Canucks, like, so annoyed that they had to be asked so many questions about Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I was just... I, I was pretty defeatist at that point because uh, I was like, oh, this guy's got our numbers. And then Travis just really coached his way out of it. Um, yeah, that was actually yeah. probably the most impressive part of the series for me was like how O'Reilly showed up big time in games three and four and then how Green had to neutralize that. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And um, usually it's so rare to see uh, the Canucks of the last eight years be uh, be confronted with such a huge problem and then them overcome it. Yeah, like, for sure. Character yeah. development. I also, like in 2011, the one thing they overcame was the Chicago series. Whereas like the Nashville yeah, and the Sharks yeah. series, it was like the Canucks were a better team. They didn't yeah. overcome adversity in the same way that they did with Chicago or with the Blues this season. Mm-hmm. One of the mm-hmm. uh, things that I did just want to underline here too is is you cannot understate Jacob Markstrom. Um, yes. Yeah. He has yeah. been probably the best goalie in the playoffs. And when you have the best goalie in the playoffs, you generally win a round or two at least. So yeah, um, I, I I think that and plays you can a huge... win a cup like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that plays a, plays a huge factor. Jacob Markstrom, um, just you know the return in the uh, the stunningly good Luongo trade, uh, Mike Gillis, hero <laughs> forever. Um, 
Uh, oh wow, what's that? You didn't uh, you didn't like the Luongo trade? Well, I guess you're not allowed to trade for uh, Jacob Markstrom <laughs> or cheer for Jacob Markstrom. Um, he has been. We're we are the gatekeeping podcast. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Other people will be like, no fan gatekeeping, and I'm like, no, no. I get to decide who gets to do what. That's my entire job. That's my entire identity. Jackson um, is St. Peter at the gates. Yes. Whatever his name is. Um, Jacob Markstrom has been like the, the Canucks have the best save percentage in the playoffs, like the best team save percentage. Now, some teams have, really? have switched up goaltenders or whatever. Um, and they have the or they have the second best, um, the second best save percentage in the playoffs. The first is uh, Islanders, which is typical. Um Hmm. And the uh, and the but they have the best high danger save percentage of of any team in the in the playoffs, and it's also really important to note that like the Islanders play a style where your goaltender like pads his numbers. The Canucks play a hmm. fucking like wide open get your ass handed to you style like <laughs> like very easily get scored on style, and uh, and Jacob Markstrom has just been keeping the minutes. So like I I do think that. Even even as much as we're praising Green, I wouldn't be surprised if next year we're just talking about like, oh, all that great coaching we thought Travis Green was doing, it, it was actually just, you know, show me mm. a great coach and I'll show you a great goal, goaltender, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. should we talk about another team that has not been getting good goaltending? Yes. Yes, we should. Um, the Obviously, like the, the other thing that we have to tackle before we get into more... Uh, the 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 more around the league stuff is the upcoming series against the Vegas Golden Knights and I don't know we talked about this a little bit before we started recording and I wrote an article about it um, for Daily Hive but I actually think the Canucks have a shot here there's a difference yeah. between I think they're going to win and I think they have a shot um like the Hawks did not have a shot against the Vegas Golden Knights, but the Canucks do. And a big part of the reason why I believe that is because of the goaltending, especially given that Marc-Andre Fleury's agent yesterday. <laughs> All right, let, yeah, let's start with that. What the fuck? Is that the biggest, is that the biggest like agent fail we've ever seen? Like, why did he do that? Okay. What, what was he thinking? I am going to... I'm going to turn this First around. First of all, on it you. was great. It was not a fail. No, I was going to say, <laughs> I'm going to turn this around on you, Vias. Not only do I think that that was decidedly an agent win, I think that it was actually a smart move by the agent. Uh, if uh-huh. if his goal is getting his client what he wants. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Flurry wants to be the guy. Yep. Sorry. For those of you that aren't aware of what we're talking about right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan Walsh is Marc Andre Fleury's agent, and yesterday he decided to post one of the most bizarre tweets I have ever seen in hockey history. I, I can't be mad at him for posting. It is like <laughs> a uh, yeah, fair enough. It is like a John McNaughton painting <laughs> of uh, Marc Andre Fleury being stabbed to death with like a. A, a medieval broadsword <laughs> labeled Deboer, which the best th- the best part of this is that he probably had to have that painting commissioned, which just makes it even more insane. Like I don't know how he got that painting. Like it, it I guess maybe, maybe 
maybe he's already had it for a bit like he already did have it yeah, commissioned or sure, something. Sure, and was waiting for the right moment to release it or something. Or, yeah. But anyways, oh um, my gosh. It's the kind of thing that I'm like, oh, if in that, if that happened in another league, I'd be like, fuck, I wish we had that kind of yes, drama. Yes, absolutely. NHL exactly. Has that kind of stuff. I didn't realize it, but you're exactly correct. That's part <laughs> of the reason why I can't be mad about it. Yes. The reason, yeah, though, why I yeah. think it's good, a, a bit of uh, decent agent work there by Walsh, is that if Marc-Andre Fleury wants to be the guy, and he's not the guy, and one of the things that everybody always talks about with Marc-Andre Fleury is what a nice guy he is, what a great personality he has... Yeah. He can't really rock the boat. He yeah. can't really make a stink about this, but his agent mm. can. And it gives him yeah. plausible deniability to be like, well, I, I ended up having a toxic relationship with the management, but it wasn't me. It was my agent. Yeah. He really gets, sorry. He really gets no flack for this. Yeah. No, I haven't seen any, any talk about, it's all just about his, how he already has a reputation and he already has a reputation. The most people have been able to pin on him is like, he denied to answer whether or not he told Alan Walsh to post that photo <laughs> yeah which is like that's such a third degree thing you can't really be mad about it so yeah 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 exactly and like it's easy to write a scenario in your head where he didn't realize that was exactly what alan walsh was going to do and he said like no i want you know i want you to push for me to get these starts but then like <laughs> alan walsh just kind of went a bit too far <laughs> yeah, yeah alan do whatever um, it takes one okay. thing <laughs> about this though is it is the biggest possible gift someone could give the Vancouver Canucks right now. Yes. Because yes. for those of you uh, that aren't aware or don't remember this, I think Marc-Andre Fleury has not lost a game in regulation to the Canucks since something like 2004. <laughs> it's, or seven or it's something. It's insane. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't yeah. remember what the stat is, but it's like he has owned the Canucks forever. And so putting him in, in a position where... Like, there's drama going on with him and Leonard, and it's all really focused on him, and there's lots of pressure. First of all, Leonard has been just okay for the Knights this year. He's been kind of not that great in the playoffs, at least by the numbers. And a lot of people are saying, you know, like, he's got the starting job or whatever. But if the Canucks can rattle him early on and create a bit of a goaltending controversy, that really plays in their favor because, like, they're not going to beat the Knights at five-on-five. But they can beat the Knights if they get better goaltending and they get like better play on the on the power play. And one aspect of uh, being better than the other team on the power play is like having the better coach, having the better uh, horses or whatever. But the another big part of that is like, how's your goalie playing? I thought I thought Horvat was a bull. Whatever. Um, if your goalie is playing well. God damn it. If your goaltender's playing well, it takes a huge strain off your penalty kill. And if exactly. the other team's goalie's playing poorly, your power play is going to look a hell of a lot better. And it this also like ties into something pump. else that I know yeah. you want to talk about, Jackson. But for the Canucks to have an advantage on special teams, they need to stay out of the box. And with Tyler Myers being injured, question mark, that yes. gets a whole lot easier. Yes. And then mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought mm-hmm. up Tyler Myers because that's been... I think one of the one of the nicest things to see from the sort of like more analytically minded uh, segment of Canucks Twitter is people saying shit like, oh, if you needed I guess you didn't need Tyler Myers and Michael Furlan taking up almost 10 million dollars in cap space uh, to be a playoff team or to win a playoff round. Like the fact that they're doing this without Tyler Myers is great. And I, I do think it's funny to see people 
Um, Tyler Myers is probably the, the Canucks' most obviously bad player of the playoffs so far, just because of all the penalties he's taken. I don't and, know how you survive as a team if you're taking, you know, three with one guy who's taking three times as many penalty minutes as everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, Net negative, yeah. But it is, it, even though even though I do think, like, they kind of miss his, uh, he's he is a good puck mover, and I do think they kind of miss that. I, I think the penalties sure. were, were offsetting it, and I do think that, yeah, like you said, if, if he's not on the ice to take a bunch of penalties, um, there's not, as many options for them to, or there's not as many opportunities for them to fuck up there. The other thing, the other thing about that too, is the other uh, way that they can win the special teams battle is to just be on the power play more. Um, and, or be, or even just be on, be not at five on five as much as possible. And to do that, uh, they need to draw a lot of penalties. And thankfully Elias Patterson, I'm sorry, but, he is a so world-class uh, con artist <laughs> in terms of like I shouldn't say a con con artist, but he's a he is great at selling penalties, and yeah. I, yeah. by that I don't mean like he's not a Max Lapierre like over calling every little thing. He just falls down a lot, and he falls down a lot, and he does it in a way where he like he is so good that he's better falling down than most players are standing up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like his diving hurts you directly. Yes. And exactly. he still gets the calls because it looks like he's fighting through it because it's very, it's yeah. very yeah. like, um, uh, I don't know. It, it reminds me a little bit of like, um, when you're, you, you know, like, I don't know, like for example, my fiance well, used to, she doesn't anymore. Cause she's not, she, she, I know what she's trying to pull now, but she used to like come over to me with like a jar and be like, Oh, you're so much stronger than me. You know, like, and that's what this reminds me of because it's Elias Pedersen being like, Oh, I'm just so skinny. I just fell down. <laughs> you know, and like, as much as people want to talk about how Horvat's head shape has influenced his leadership abilities, <laughs> the bone structure of Pedersen's neck, I think actually yes. helps him a lot here. Just because he Definitely. does, he just looks like the scrawniest little boy, even though he's Absolutely. like bulking up and he's getting, He's a lot bigger than people around the league think he is. Oh, absolutely. But his yeah. neck is just shaped in such a way that he looks like he's 110 pounds. I could never I could never sell a call. I'm such a small being. I'm always saying how PD has a great neck. <laughs> yeah. He's got the best Almost neck there. on the team aside from uh, Tyler Myers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the obvious question now would just be like, what do you guys think is going to happen in this series? What's your what's your predictions? So I don't know much about the Vegas team. I did go to one Vegas game. Okay. Uh, the second to last home game that the Sidians played. Mm-hmm. And my thought outside of being on the verge of tears uh, was that this team is so much bigger than the Canucks. Yeah. Uh, yep. They're also so much faster. Yep. Now, mind you, that was two years ago. Lots of sure. change. Yeah. And for the yep. for the size part, we can totally say, that, say the same thing. We said the same thing about the Blues. Yeah. Uh, for sure. This is the kind of team that uh, would dominate a small team like us. Sure. Um, spe- especially without Tyler Myers. Um, but, you know, that we can throw that in the in the trash for now. Totally. Uh, I agree. But the speed at which Vegas plays. Uh, and also hearing about Alex Touch. Or Touch. Yes. Uh, I've seen him play, but I forgot. Like, I, I haven't seen him in a long time, though. And I forgot that Vegas has a six foot six. Uh, and the second fastest player in the league. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah. this guy's a monster. I'm, I'm afraid of that. 
Uh, and also just their offensive prowess. Like they have like three scoring lines or something, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, the the funny thing they're incredibly deep. You were asking me earlier, like before we started recording, Vias, about who w- was like the Ryan O'Reilly on yeah um, on the the Vegas Golden Knights. And the funny thing is that they're kind of they're the, they're the kind of team that like they don't really have a Ryan O'Reilly quote unquote on their team because they have here. Let me just count here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven players with over five points in eight games. And one of those players is a defenseman. (laughs) Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things where like, I mean, I just think the, the, the real problem that the Canucks are going to run up into here is that, it's sort of the classic problem that teams playing the Penguins uh, for those few few years there always ran into where it's like, okay, let's match power with power, line one and line one, and mm. and we'll, you know, we'll, uh, we'll neutralize that. We'll just neutralize the offense or whatever from both those lines. And then, okay, match power for power with line two. Same thing. Okay, we can neutralize the offense. But then you just keep going, and eventually you run out of guys. And the yeah, Vegas, yeah, the Vegas Knights. And then Phil Kessel kills. You. Yeah, exactly. And then Phil Kessel kills you if you're the if you're the Penguins. And, and, and on this team, it's like, you know, Alex Tuck or like whoever else, you know. Um, and uh, and ultimately, like what we know about the Vegas Knights is they've just they've just got so many guys, uh, more they guys than guys. even know what to do with. And every time yeah, you think like they're they're guys per 60 yeah, off the charts. Yeah, every time you think that you've got an answer to one of their guys they've got another guy they got another they, guy they've got more guys than the collective list of guests from the Mark Marin podcast uh, anyways um can you tell them um, my, can you tell that my weed call is starting to kick in um yeah bit, yeah so i think yeah. this vegas team is just a better team than the Canucks and a deeper team than the Canucks, especially. So like if the Canucks depth goes away, like if Tyler Mott turns back into Tyler Mott, like the Canucks just don't have an answer for this team. But I think like, I, I like Pedersen's line versus anything the Vegas Knights have, but I just don't see it happening guys. <laughs> yeah. This, this feels like a, if it's not the power play, we're in trouble. Fair. Yeah. Situation. And with a bigger team, I don't know. Like, I don't know how their discipline is. Uh, yep, we'll see. Fair. But and also, like, do we have an answer to Ryan Reeves? That's a. I mean, I don't know how much that matters, but yeah, that's a decent question. It's yeah. tough. I'm to say. curious what the takeaway if the Canucks. I mean, we didn't ask this about the Blues. It would have been interesting, but like, classic Canucks. When we lose to somebody, we rebuild our team around. That, yeah, <clears throat> around the team we lost. I'm more than okay with that. It literally doesn't <laughs> matter what happens um, unless the Canucks win the cup this year there, the story is going to be that they lost because they weren't big enough and weren't tough enough. Definitely. There's no, uh, mm. there's not going to be any, maybe because it's Vancouver and some people are, um, we, we kind of tend to have a, a more savvy media here. You might yeah, get, yeah. you might get that focus placed on the defense they need to be harder on defense, mm, which is true. Right. But more important than that, they just need to be better. 
Um, I don't think it's about yeah. grit as much as it is just about literal skill at playing hockey. And annoyingly, some of the best value on the defense. I mean, obviously Quinn Hughes, but like Troy Stetcher is probably this team's second best defenseman. I mean, I don't know if I want to say that, but I know what you mean. Let's say you could make an argument that he's one of their best defensemen. Yeah, and he's also really small. Here's what. Here's the thing about yeah. Troy. Here's what the thing with Troy Stetcher is. Um, you can make arguments all you want about who the you know second, third, fourth, fifth best defenseman is on this team, but always by the stats, Stetcher is the best, and that has to count for something. To constantly yeah. be have the best shot share, constantly have the best uh, expected goal share, like that has to be valuable, even if it's just that Travis Green knows how to use him perfectly in a third pairing role or whatever. Like right. he's uh-huh. a valuable. A defender and a guy that I would rather keep around over someone like Tyler Myers for sure. And maybe, maybe even Chris Tanev just because of how old Chris Tanev is. No, for sure. If I had to choose between Stetcher and Tanev, I think you, I think you have to take Stetcher just for the age thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, the other side too is you should probably keep both because you guys will need another right defenseman next season. Yes. And yeah. Are you really ready to just be like, yeah, Jet Wu is yes, the main man. Exactly. Um, the uh, so the the final thing I want to get to on this tip is just uh, predictions. Knights and six. Canucks and seven. You're gonna say Canucks and seven? Okay. Yeah. I am gonna say. I would fucking love that so much. I I was gonna say I thought both of you guys were gonna. I'm doing the thing that I did last time where I just try to even out the what I want the collective idea of the show to to be. Because I just, you know, I am a collectivist at heart. Um, mm-hmm. Last time around, you guys both picked the Blues. So I, or you nope, guys, sorry. I picked the Canucks. Last time around, sorry. I picked the Canucks. Last time around, you guys both picked the Canucks. So I picked the Blues. This time, Vias, you picked the Canucks. And Elliot, you picked the Knights, right? Yeah. I will you say. You said the Knights in six, Elliot? I said Knights six. Okay. I will say Knights because I do think they have the better chance, although I would have said Canucks if you had both said Knights because I think it's close enough to be a close. conversation. I will say Knights in seven, just just to be generous. Yeah. All right. Because uh, right. I do think – I think it's going to be closer than people are going to give it credit for. Like I, I think – No, I the, completely agree with that. I would say the Canucks win one game no problem um, and yeah. probably can get to two for sure. Markstrom's going to steal a game for sure. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you gotta you gotta start asking yourself like, if Markstrom can steal a game, why can't it at least go to seven? If not, they yeah. win it. You know, the margins yeah. of error yeah. are, are that low at this stage. So hell, Markstrom Markstrom almost stole game four. Yeah, That's true. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think the Knights are the second best of the remaining. I guess they're in the middle of the two, like of the three Western teams left. I think the Canucks match up against the Knights almost as good as they would have matched up against Dallas. So we're... I am clearly afraid of the avalanche. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I also want to mention, too, that I don't even think the Canucks are the worst team in the playoffs. I think that's the Dallas Stars. No. You think it's Dallas? Yeah. yeah so, I agree. So there you go, you know. Um, I don't want to get... I don't want to talk too much about the series that all just passed because, you know, we're, we're not focused on those games. We're not watching every game. And uh, I don't think there was too much of interest to say about anyone. Um, but I do want to say... Rest in peace, John Tortorella. Rest in peace, John Tortorella. Rest in peace, uh, Rod Brindamore, Sebastian Ajo, and and company of the uh, 
of the Carolina and Andre Sveshnikov murdered by a Bruin again. Yeah, again, another murder committed by. <laughs> We're just gonna let Bostonians get away with this, eh? No one wants to talk about inner crime. <laughs> crime in Boston. <laughs> Jackson for the website. Yeah, you should have a tab at the top. <laughs> Boston crimes. <laughs> Slav on Slav crime. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's that's amazing. Yeah, uh, and also, um, R.I.P. Yotes. I mean, we all knew it was going to happen, but still, R.I.P. Yep. Uh, it would have been really funny. Recipe Brad Richardson. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about the remaining series and just get. It was fun to do the predictions last time. I think we sure. all went more or less even, um, but. I uh, I thought it was fun to do. I think I got the West almost right. I would be cool with doing another round of predictions for these remaining uh, series if you guys are down. Yeah, I'm gonna write them down so we remember too. Yeah, I was gonna say, can somebody pull them up? I'm I'm too high now. I'm not. That's not happening. Oh, Ellie, can you pull those up? I'm just writing down the what our actual predictions are. Okay, Um, Jackson, you said the Knights in six. Yes. Wait, so Elliot also said Knights and Six. Nope, I said oh, you Knights, said Knights and, seven. and Seven. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, Jack said Knights and Seven. Yeah, yeah. So we have Avalanche, Dallas. Dallas is already up by one. Flyers, Islanders, and Tampa, Boston. That's not what I thought it was. Yeah, I know. It wasn't what I thought it was either, but apparently. What? Tampa and Boston. Oh. 2011 East final. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's, imp- that's interesting. Um, I, I, I definitely was like... Oh damn! Is that right? Because it felt really, really weird. Yeah, but but so. it is. It's right. So uh, let's start with that one. Bruins Lightning. This is a tough Bruins one. <clears throat> well, the last time these teams played, <laughs> I rooted for Boston. <laughs> so uh, big of a mistake and that, that was. It is in the ass. Uh, I just wanted us to beat a original six team over a team from Florida. Thought it'd be cooler. <sighs> so <laughs> I'm rooting for Tampa. You're rooting for Tampa. Root for Tampa. But who's who are you uh who are you predicting? Uh oh, it's a win. Uh I yeah. do predict it's gonna be Tampa. Okay. Um I don't mm, it's kind of a crapshoot to like try to guess how much they're gonna win. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Tampa in six. Okay. Which Okay. Feels like the most I'm going basic. for Boston in seven. I will say Boston in six. Um, I just think that they're built for this. How funny would it be if the Canucks and the Bruins ended up meeting in the final? So just regardless, I would, I, would, I'm, I would die. I'm sorry, but regardless of what happens, it will be the it would be the funniest thing to happen in all of hockey history. We would deserve to riot and just end the lockdown. Fuck it, yeah, <laughs> so totally. just yeah. like like riot and then and but like, like mass regardless suits. of outcome, it would be so funny. Because your oh, yeah. your your options are somehow they, they manage back here again and the same thing happens, Dude, or I'd be, oh. or somehow like this ragtag band of <laughs> Ralph Wiggum types like manage to somehow win the Stanley, be the first management team to win the Stanley Cup in Vancouver. It would be very very funny. Um, okay, what's uh, what's next on the list? Islanders, uh, Pittsburgh. I uh, not sorry, Pittsburgh. Philadelphia Flyers and the Ooh, New York Islanders. A lot of people will be mad at you for that one. Yeah, I also wrote da- I wrote it down wrong, which is what the problem was. And yes, 
why are both the Pennsylvania teams starting with the letter P? It's yeah, it not seems... working out for me. Anyways, Flyers, Islanders. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going with the Flyers in five. Oh wow, you're that confident, eh? Yeah, that... I think so. I think they're. I think they're really good. I don't know why I think this, but I was looking Islanders at the six. You're gonna say Islanders six. I was yeah. looking at the the underlying numbers and. The thing about the Islanders is that their underlying numbers aren't very good, but they're that classic team that outperforms what their numbers are because of how they play. The Flyers, meanwhile, have just actually not been good in the playoffs. Um, like all their underlying numbers are really trash. So I'm going to take yeah. I'm going to take the Islanders and I'm going to take them in six. I'm also trying not to say six because that's my like coward's choice. It is because I will choice. always pick six if I. I already did Islanders in six, dude. Oh, so I have to do a different okay. one? Yeah. You Okay. I'll do Islanders yeah. and fi- I'll do Islanders and 5 then. All right. Yeah. Okay. And the last remaining series is Avalanche Stars. The Stars have already won a game. Yeah, pretty surprising. I but at the same time, that's just the playoffs. Like worst teams uh, like the worst team beats the better team like 40% of the time, you know. And the Stars just came off of uh like a hilarious win that probably pumped their tires. Yeah, totally. It's hilarious. They scored more goals in these last two games than they did in the rest of the postseason combined. What are the differences between these two teams? Uh, all I really know about Colorado is that they have like two or three amazing forwards. And then I don't know much about their goaltending uh, or their defense. Then Dallas has like Quinn Hughes. Their like, defense is incredible. Their defense is really good. I okay. made a joke about the Canucks uh, among the two of you guys at some point earlier this week about how like someone was talking about the Oilers and I was like, Oh yeah, the Oilers are like the Canucks with the talent sliders only turned all the way up or, and or all the way down. (laughs) And yeah, Yeah. basically the avalanche are also like that except good. And with way more talent sliders turned all the way up on defense. Um, Mm, Okay. They, they have like a really strong top six. And a really strong top four, decent yeah. goaltending, and then kind of uh, a bunch of guys in their bottom six. But it works. Um, what would Dallas have over that? Defensive structure. Yeah, and maybe Dallas goaltending. somehow it, it, it's debatable. It, they mm, they yeah. they could get better goaltending. It, it's possible. I'm not certain. Dallas somehow turned like a very strong offensive team with questionable defense into a incredibly defensive team with very little offense. It's Go totally Rick bizarre. Bonus. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to take I'm going to take Dallas for this. I want to be fun here. Nice one. That's cool. Uh, so yep. Dallas See, I feel like the longer the series go, the more likely the Avalanche win. Yeah, sure. But but if I say Dallas in five, that's a really fucking bold. <laughs> Just do it. It's fun. <laughs> They're already up by one. They're already up by Dallas one. Five. Yeah. Dallas in five. Fuck it. All right. Cool. Dallas in five for Vias. I have the Avs in six. Okay. I just think they're clearly the better team, and I am not sure how much Dallas's defensive structure is really going to help them against a team as deep as. Yeah, fair enough. The uh, honestly, that works out perfectly because then I can say Avs in seven, which is a uh, the perfect statement of I think both these teams are very good and have a chance to win. I get to play it right down the middle, just as I always like to. Perfect. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so last piece of business here. 
well, second to last, I guess, before we get into the per- the more kind of like personal stuff. But um, Mike Milbury, don't want to spend too much time on it, but he is now the second NBC hockey employee to be embroiled in a sexist controversy and uh, leave the broadcast because of it. What he did was not as egregious as what Ronick did. He... Um, he asked a question where he made some crack about how there weren't even any women around in the bubble to distract you, um, which is obviously very stupid. It's not funny. Belittles women. Most most importantly, Homophobic. like, uh, yeah, also that. But most importantly, um, wrong because there's also female hotel staff. <laughs> incorrect. And Mike Milbury has never earned the benefit of the doubt in his entire life on anything. This isn't the first sexist comment he's made. Uh, a lot of Canucks fans will remember the Thelma and Louise thing, which is calling Henrik and Daniel Thelma and Louise is literally only an insult if you're insanely sexist. Anybody else would be like, oh, cool. <laughs> we're we're two cool people. <laughs> um, as I said on Twitter, like I would just be really, really hoping that I'm the one who gets to be Susan Sarandon because um, she's definitely the cooler one. But, uh, yeah, I just, I, like I said, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but, uh, Mike Milbury, probably the dumbest guy in the sport after Don Cherry, maybe even a Well, I mean, Don Cherry's not really in the sport anymore. That's true, but he does have a podcast, baby. And as we all know, podcasts are the realest form of media of all. I didn't know you had one. Oh, yeah. Shit. (laughs) Yeah, we were joking right before, uh the show started um, about other stuff uh, or like how the city, what we got reminded of what the city said about Milbury. Um, like, yeah, they called Milbury out for sexism in that Thelma Louise thing. But I also just loved how much they said like, Oh, he had a, what was it? What did they say about his time in, with the Islanders? They said something that he had a really good run in with. It was something positive. Yeah. Which is so funny. Cause it's such a notoriously terrible management. Yeah. Stretch truly. Like, the worst general manager of all time, probably. We've talked a little bit about 2011, but both key pieces of 2011 don't wind up on different teams without Mike Milbury. Oh, Because yes. Chara and Luongo yeah. were both key players in 2011, and they would have been on the same team if... Absolutely. A lot of, a lot of players would have been on the same team. There could have been Jason Spezza on that team. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, he, he ate it so hard there and and he also uh there's a great rodney gibson thread on uh on twitter that he does he does yes. some good threads sometimes very good uh, where he he goes into like what they could have had and what they ended up with and one of the things that one of the like big things was there was a draft where they came away with rick DiPietro and rafi torres at one and five and whoever they could have had was was like 10 is that like heatley and or something were, but yeah, that sounds right. They're there, Heatley and for sure. And instead, Kovalchuk, you have, I think Kovalchuk might have been there too. It, it was just a disaster when he was there. Um, I will just plug Katie Strang's article from the Athletic yeah. about it. It's excellent. It's actually not just excellent in terms of being right. It is the kind of writing that I wish there was more of in hockey. Um, a person who works for a like a national media hockey media outlet calling another person who works national hockey yeah media, uh, gosh, like that. Need more of that and just being unafraid to be like this sucks this is just bad it's not yeah. like 
It's not a philosophical thing. It's not a question of whether he needs to be fired, but like we need to all just look at this and go like, this sucks. It's stupid. It's Mm -hmm. bad analysis. Like that's the thing. One of the things that kills me so much about watching these guys is I just think of like all the people I know who would do a better job than him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you look at Kevin Bieksa on the, the national broadcast. He's so good. He's already better than 90% of the people doing it. And then best broadcaster I've seen. And that's just a fucking guy that, that played hockey a few years ago that they played. Yeah. And he's better than, than Mike Milbury could ever dream to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like CBC almost looks like they don't know sport forever. Sorry. Yeah. Like, sorry. CBC almost looks like they don't know what to do with Bieksa. Like, thankfully they just give him time, but it's, it's almost like he has so much more talent than that even. Oh yeah, uh, then, then even they're wait. letting him get away with. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 I can't wait to see. And uh, I just can't wait till yeah, intermission but... is just him and Alex Burrows. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, would be, uh, that would be amazing. I'm just smiling. Um, this also ties into another thing where uh, I I made a quip about how Ty Domi would be like the natural successor to Mike Milbury's spot uh, as another player who's fought a fan mid game. Um, but also a uh, friend of the show slash friend of mine, Sean Craig, who writes at Capital Daily in Victoria. Uh, he, yeah, he found something he, kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what made him start looking at this. Uh, it may have been he was looking up uh, a party. I think he was looking up the relationship between a few major Canadian billionaires uh, and their families, like Belinda Stronick's family, uh, and. Ghislaine Mas- Maxwell, uh, <laughs> who is one of the ringleaders, or like the main ringleader of Jeffrey Epstein's uh, child sex cult uh, and ring. <laughs> and he just found a photo of Ghislaine Maxwell at Ty Domi's book launch, which for some reason was in New York. <laughs> Holy shit. I, I, which, why? Um, so yeah, there's a photo of that. Ty Domi then very quickly uh, blocked Sean Craig on Twitter after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, that's great. I, I was... Shout out to Sean for finding that, yeah, uh, and and for there being a connection between Trudon and Rocks. Also, uh, <laughs> yes, the photo got scrubbed off of the uh, photo service. Yeah, after Sean, yeah, the Getty site. And also, this That's was in, like 2008 or something. Like this was like 2017, fairly recently. Like, oh yeah, that's weird. Pretty pretty recently. There's a, there uh, was a time when when it, you could sort of squint and go like, oh yeah, Ty Domi was famous enough to be palling around with like really high level like billionaires and and stuff and could have just bumped yeah. into to someone like that. 2017 Ty Domi is like, I think 2017, but yeah, you 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 have to be like personal family friends with Ty Domi to, yeah. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, big big yikes on that one. Yeah, I think we're uh, I think we're pretty close to to being yep. ready to go here. But while we're on the topic of shouting friends out, yeah, um, solidarity with our brother in arms, uh, Justin Morissette. Um, yeah, man, Jesus. Yeah, he uh, he was assaulted outside his house yesterday um, because he got into a conflict with a uh, one of those street preachers that you see. Uh, around Vancouver, particularly in the West End, if you're uh, if you're from Vancouver, uh, basically just setting up shop and speaking really, really loudly through a microphone or a megaphone about basically just like how gay people are evil and terrible. 
And if you're and, not uh, from Vancouver, uh, the West End is the traditional gay neighborhood. Yes. So it is very, quite literally, just a person like standing up there doing hate speech. Um, yeah. Cool. And people, people have been, people in the neighborhood have been calling the cops all the time to, for them to do something about it. Absolutely. This. Yeah. People are really yeah. angry about it. And so Justin, being, being the person that he is, um, he tried to snag the megaphone out of the guy's hand. Um, but, uh, he, you know, he was just trying to stop these guys from bothering a bunch of nice people on their side. numbered. Yeah, well. he was outnumbered as well. And, and it's also uh, worth mentioning these guys are using like a megaphone in a residential area at like seven p.m. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, and uh, and he he was he he had his leg broken. It was uh, you know he 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 got fucking judo flipped by this guy because he was trying to stop him. And now, well, and and also it was like a second guy who came in and did yes, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so he's got a broken a leg foot. and he's in the hospital right now. And uh, you know, I mean, we would be we would be wishing him well no matter how he sustained this injury because he's a friend of ours and a great guy. But uh, that is doubly so given the, the circumstances. It's hard and it's scary to stand up to people who are mm-hmm. being uh, shitty like that. Yeah. And more people should do it. And it sucks that when they try to do it, uh, they end up in the fucking hospital with metal plates in their leg for the rest of their life. So um, if you're listening to this out there, and especially if you know and love Justin like we do, he's been a guest on the show and on the Patreon feed, a day one supporter of Roxy mm-hmm. Fever. Um, Part, and a partial inspiration for Roxy Fever happening in the first place. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Um, so no, no hate mail today. Just uh, send <laughs> lots and lots of heart uh, emojis and compliments to yes. at Justin Morris on Twitter. One one R, as he is keen to point out always. Um, yeah. In the meantime, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at McDonald. You can follow me at Vyasaran. You can follow me at Moose Kayak. Definitely follow the pod at Roxy Fever, which has basically become Vyasa's hockey account. <laughs> um, and definitely donate to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Roxy Fever. The fans have decided that the next Heritage Minute that we do for the Patreon feed will be about the Sammy Sallow Balls of Steel incident. Um, and, so that's sure to be a lot of many fun. I assume incidents. we're also going to just cover like, yes. the entire injury. Well, maybe well, the we entire episode because that would be a three-hour episode. <laughs> yeah, we should just do an episode now, on each one of the injuries. We're, um, we're going to interview now, the snake. Yeah. <laughs> Jan- <laughs> January 22nd, 2007. Uh, stub to toe. January 29th, 2007, <laughs> uh, slipped on a banana peel and cracked his head open. We can go on. Like, we can go it on. would just be, yeah, it would just be me reading that. But uh, by now, people should know um, that whenever an episode is about one thing, it ends up also being about like 10 other things, yeah. mostly relating to the main thing. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely check that out because we're going to have a lot of fun with that. We just recorded a great episode on John Tortorella. And mm-hmm. um yeah, like I said, send uh, send love and and uh, affection to uh, our friend Justin in his uh, difficult time. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Thanks, yeah, everybody. Thanks.